and seven other spiritual poems. This is Lama Jigme Gyatso. Welcome to Meditate Like a Jedi. Today's first poem, Sound Like. There is something weird about me. Well, that's not entirely accurate, as there are many weird things about me. Have you seen how I dress? But one of the weird things about me is that I tend to speak and write like whoever I last heard. I am not sure if this is but a quirk of my dysfunctioning temporal lobes, but it first became apparent in high school. I read The Hobbit as an assignment, and when the time came to write my book report, it spilled out of me in the voice of J.R.R. Tolkien. My teacher loved this. If I listen to Cosmos, I write as Carl Sagan, far too erudite. If I listen to Crash Course History, I write as a young, as a young John Green, far too clever and self-referencing. If I listen to Last Week Tonight, I write as John Oliver, far too silly. I'm currently marinating in the words of Neil Gaiman, for I really enjoy his patois. In the summer between 10th and 11th grades, my new next-door neighbor's had a son my age. He was a Jewish Persian, and we spent almost every day together. After a summer of hanging out with Eddie and going to the beach every week, in fall I returned to high school. With a deep tan, my big Hebrew nose, thick coarse hair, and something that sounded very much like Eddie's Persian accent. And needless to say, that was the start of quite the dating drought, which I found rather distressing. For like most survivors of child abuse, I was forever seeking romantic love and hopes of making the hole in my chest all better, like a dog at the pound waiting to be adopted. Today's second poem, Integrity. I heard a psychologist interviewed who insisted that there was no need for further research, as all that can be known has already been learned. How repugnant. That is not an attitude befitting a man of science. That is not intellectual integrity. He, he, he should be stripped of his doctorate, drawn and quartered, um, compassionately? In today's third poem, Better. Better to treasure an ugly truth than to prize beautiful lies. Today's fourth poem, Sweat. In junior high one evening, my cranky cousin telephoned, 
but he did not sound cranky. He sounded mellow and bemused. His companion that evening was a Ms. Jane, first name Mary, I think. And he asked me, How is the cosmos treating you tonight? My little furry mind, in the flops sweat of puberty, could conceive of no answer whose cleverness matched its question. Today's fifth poem, Ability. In the mid-80s, when I was knee-deep in Christian fundamentalism, one Sunday morning in a church parking lot, I spied the minister from another congregation, brush his hair, and get out of his car and amble towards the church building. My facial expression must have communicated both surprise and confusion. He explained that he was deliberately missing communion at his church without telling anyone, as an object lesson to rely more on God than the minister. A fire burned. A fire within me burned, as my mind's eye turned to the members of his congregation experiencing stress and concern, all to feed his sense of self-importance. We humans, it would seem, have the singular ability to justify our cruelties, painting them as virtues. Today's sixth poem, Await. Ashen-faced and with a tremoring voice, the minister asked, Should I become a Buddhist? The problems you've told me of have nothing to do with Christ or the Bible, I explained. The problems you told me of predicated upon the metaphoric lens through which you view Jesus and the Bible. Take the admonition in the first letter of John to heart, that perfect love drives out fear, and view Christ and Scripture not through the lens of fear and rigidity and aggression, but rather through the lens of love and flexibility and surrender and see where the Spirit takes you. Oh, what a marvelous journey could await. Today's seventh poem, Offering. It is three days until Christmas, and many neighbors are flocking to church. On one hand, neither worshiping Christ nor applying his instructions are mutually exclusive. However, on the other hand, if one had to choose, I suggest Jesus would prefer us to follow his instructions rather than fall to our knees. 
for cultivating a mind of peace and a heart of love for all beings is the ultimate worship. Today's eighth and final poem, Peer. Consider, if you will, the shape of the cross, a, a vertical line intersected by a horizontal one. The vertical line could symbolize the vertical energy of a devotion, like that of a child standing before their parent, gesturing the request to be picked up and held. The devotion of a child to a parent, be they corporeal or celestial, is hardwired into the brainstem of every mammal. And for a time, the likelihood of a child's survival is directly proportional to the devotion they exercise towards their parents. But once maturity is reached, if they are to find a mate, if they are to procreate and rear young, something must shift. A cross's horizontal line could symbolize our love for our fellow beings, from peer to peer and equal to equal. Our devotion and love equals, or is one superior to the other. In Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, in his admonition to love, did he not remind us? Put away childish things. And elsewhere did he not pen goodness, kindness, gentleness against these things, there is no law. What if worship's prayer and praise was a dead end, masquerading as a quick path? Let us conclude with a simple call to action. This podcast will never have any advertisements. So support us monthly on PayPal and like us on your podcast service. To help others find us just as you found us as well. If meditation has felt impossible, boring, or just out of reach, you are welcome to register at buddhajoy.org for the next series of live online meditation class webinars that meet once a week. <laughs>